This episode is brought to you by 9AM Health. 9AM Health, diabetes care that fits your life. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Healing in Hindsight, and we are continuing on with the interview portion of the show where I'm bringing on close family and friends uh, to kind of talk about their experiences, whether it's directly with diabetes, indirectly with diabetes, or if they're experiencing some of the same challenges um, that diabetics might face, which brings me to uh, our next guest. Uh, she is a really good friend of mine one of my best friends actually uh, her name is Kara and she is the owner and founder of the Grateful Girl um, she's a vegan um, blogger youtuber uh, tiktoker uh, she just does all the things y'all and uh, not only being a, a very compassionate vegan and activist but just a, an honestly really great friend um, she and I met mutually at work so we used to work together uh, at two companies now and uh, we both just kind of experienced our transitions into going after our passions and it just happened to be in the influencer space so Kara is one of those people who uh, really pushed me to kind of get back on my A-game whether she knows it or not um, and watching her grow with the Grateful Girl. So I'm really excited to share this conversation that I have with her. Um, I think the biggest theme that I wanted you guys to get from this is that uh, transition is something that affects everybody. And so when you're a diabetic, the transition into how you live your life um, can weigh on you, especially with family and friends and the same for going vegan. So Kara and I just kind of talk through those moments in her life um, as well as those moments in mine and kind of how we've both grown from that and you know are where we are today so i hope you enjoy uh kara is an amazing person so if you're not already familiar with her uh definitely go check her out the grateful girl and of course um, i will have everything to get access to her uh, in the show notes enjoy again hi friend hi how are you <laughs> i'm good i'm doing so good actually i just hit over fifty thousand followers on tiktok today so it's what? yes yes it's been such a good Yay. day <laughs> i need your clout <laughs> that's awesome yes. congrats i hope so you were happy. doing a celebratory post or something or video or dance thing is that what they do now they do yeah. dance now? <laughs> i haven't made any dance videos yet <laughs> So you got to get with the time, chance what all the kids are doing, <laughs> doing dance videos. I'm, I'm okay. I might break a knee or something. Who knows? <laughs> well, I'm so glad you could take the time out to, uh, to hang out with me today and Absolutely. talk about some stuff. Um, so for those of you who don't know, um, Kara is more than just an amazing vegan influencer. Um, and don't worry, you'll get to learn about all of her things in a second. Um, but she's actually one of my close friends, best friends, actually. Um, we met through work um, at an undisclosed place that I won't say. I don't know if I'm allowed to. <laughs> and um, basically, uh, her and two other um, really awesome women, uh, the four of us just kind of banded together and, um, what, four years now? Four Gosh, I feel, yeah, four years. Yeah. Cause I moved, four years. I moved to Austin back in 2015. So yeah. And I started working there around 2016. Really? Yeah. Why do I think you were living in Austin? I don't know. I've been out here since 2008. So maybe. Just <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so, um, so that's a little bit of why, you know, uh, she's here because it's because she's my friend and she's also just so happens to be doing <laughs> a lot of great stuff in the vegan space. So I figured she'd be awesome to have on the show. No shade to the other friends. Okay. Just don't, don't hit me. All right. Um, so just for those who don't know, um, I'd love if you could just share who you are, who the Grateful Girl is, um, and you know how 2020 has been so far for you. I know we got a lot to say about oh, that. But I've been asking how everybody. Is, how has 2020 <laughs> been? That's a loaded question. <laughs> well, let's start with who you are and, and what, you're, what you're about and what Grateful Girl is, and then we'll uh, we'll tap into 
a tiny bit of 2020. Yes. Well, Taylor, thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm really excited to be here with you. Um, so for those of those who don't know who I am, um, so my name is Kara Thibodeau, but I'm also known as the Grateful Girl. And I've been a vegan influencer and blogger for about the past three years when I first started doing um, my blog, because that's when I became vegan. So I wanted to do something that was impactful. And I really felt like activism in the traditional sense of going to protest really wasn't something that I felt comfortable in fully. But I knew that I could have a platform on social media and be able to write and create videos and create content because I love to cook and bake. And I really thought, you know, this was a really great platform to be able to help people um, if they wanted to transition into going vegan or even just looking into maybe giving up animal products, um, you know, partially, that I would be able to connect with people on a much larger scale than going to demonstrations and to protests. Um, so that's really what sparked this uh, curiosity and my platform to becoming a vegan influencer. Very nice. Very nice. And I, uh, I've had the privilege to watch you kind of go through all of that. Um, so we'll, we'll tap into that shortly, but, uh, uh now onto the loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, how has, how has 2020 been so far for you? You know, I, I have like mixed emotions. I think everybody has mixed emotions about how 2020 has been. (laughs) I think people, obviously, you know, 2020 is, um, is something that people look towards as like this huge influential year of, you know, big Mm -hmm. changes and, you know, you got me really into astrology. And so it's been really interesting to see what the planets are even doing right now, as far as all the different alignments and transits. And no wonder we were all in anticipation for 2020 (laughs) because so much (laughs) is changing. But I think also not only are things changing on a collective level, but I think all individually, we're all going through a really big shift in mindset and change um, because there's been so many things in 2020 that honestly, I think we've kind of buried under the rug for so long, you know, Mm -hmm. um, just a lot of, you know, human rights issues and access to healthcare and minimum wage. And, you know, there's so much, you know, that's, that's being uncovered right now. And I think that a lot of people are starting to wake up, including myself of, you know, what's, what matters to me, what's important to me, what do I want to do with my life? Um, Mm -hmm. you know, looking at, you know, what our worth is. And so it's been an emotional roller coaster of a year, but in a good way, because I'm starting to wake up to a lot of the things that I've wanted for a really long time, but have kind of sat idle on because I didn't think that I would be able to achieve that sort of success or, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, I see other people doing it, but you know, could it really happen for me? And so, you know, 2020 has really opened up my eyes to, well, anything is really possible. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know, for if, sure. if murder hornets could come at us in May, anything is possible. You know, <laughs> you can do I feel anything. Like the murder hornets came and went. Like they, they showed up and they were like, you know, y'all aren't even worth murdering. We're going to go over here somewhere. <laughs> I just feel like we heard about it, but we didn't really see it. But at the same time, I'm glad because. I don't want buzzy, stingy things at me anyways. So I'm okay. Someone must have rolled the dice pretty quickly on the Jumanji. <laughs> man, man. Thank you to whomever. Uh, they, they didn't let the board get away from them as, as bad as Robin Williams and friends did at the time. Uh, so I appreciate that because I just don't think murder hornets, I would be able to. Uh, nah, nah, I wouldn't be able to. I wouldn't be able to deal with that. Cool. Um so thank you for, for that introduction and letting us know how 2020 has been. I know, like you said, it's been uh, an emotional roller coaster, but I do think a lot of good things have at least come to light with it, uh, for sure. Absolutely. Um, but the one thing that I'm really curious uh, for people to learn about you is kind of what your life was like before going vegan, because um, I think everybody, whether that's um, a choice in transitioning into a different eating style or 
you know, like myself, you're kind of being pushed into it uh, through some type of chronic illness. Um, there's always a before mm-hmm. that you don't realize that leads you up into your after. So I'm just curious for people to learn about what your life was like before you went vegan. Yeah. So before I went vegan, I, I mean, I've always loved food. <laughs> I think there's a lot of foodies out there, but I really loved food. And I was, um, I actually moved to Austin because I love food so much. And even though Houston <laughs> has good food, I mean, I think Austin really has such a plethora of really amazing options when it comes to restaurants and food trucks. And it's definitely like a foodie capital. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I think, I think food (laughs) rose up alongside music. It might started to overshine that. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And like, that's the first thing people would always ask when they'd come to Austin, like what, where should I go to eat? You know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so when I moved to Austin, I really, I was already interested in blogging in the first place. So I was really interested in doing a lot of food blogging because there were just so many cool restaurants and places to go to eat. So I was going to, you know, the places that had, you know, deep fried chicken and doused powdered sugar and deep fried again and, Mm -hmm. you know, bacon, French fries and, you know, just really like gluttonous things. And Mm -hmm. every time I ate these things, I was so tired. I was just exhausted after I ate. I could feel the difference in my body, but I almost felt like, okay, I have to keep this up because at the time I was helping my friend run a food blog that we had called Food of the 512. So I really felt the need to, okay, I have to keep up with, you know, this foodie lifestyle. Um, and shortly after that, you know, we kind of ended up losing touch. I was kind of running the blog for a little bit on my own, but then I ended up watching what the health on Netflix when it first came out. And, um, it was actually my sister who told me about it and she was like, Oh my gosh, like this documentary, it's, it's saying, you know, how, you know, eggs and bacon could be bad for you. And I was like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there, there could be no way. I thought this was like a conspiracy theorist documentary. And when I sat down and I watched it so much made a lot of sense to me. And so I like freaked out after watching it. And I went to my fridge and I pulled out every single animal product, anything that had high fructose corn syrup. In it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was kind of at a loss of like, what do I even eat now? Because I'd been so conditioned on, I had to have meat at every meal. I had eggs every morning for breakfast, you know, and so I really didn't know what it was I should eat. So I think that was really one of the the biggest mistakes I made was I threw everything out without educating myself first on how to transition successfully, because I think that there are a lot of people who can really go vegan overnight um, and they really thrive off of that, you know, quick transition. But I think a lot of people need to take it slowly, understand what works best for their body and also what works best for their everyday life, because everybody has a different um, lifestyle and you want to make sure that you're picking foods that are also going to be easy and convenient still for you if you have a really busy on the go lifestyle. Yeah, that's a that transition phase. I think any any diet thing that I've ever tried is like cold turkey. I'm just gonna do it because I, I have the mentality to do it. And I'm like, bitch, no, you don't. You never want to do anything like that. Like you suck at that. Exactly. Just remove one thing, okay? <laughs> so so I'm curious. Um, so it sounds like what the health was the final straw in in kind of pushing you into um uh, adopting a vegan lifestyle. Um, I'm curious to know, like, what was difficult in that transition? And like, did you experience any physical symptoms, like, like a detoxing effect whenever you switched to um, a vegan lifestyle? Like, what was your mindset like, your emotional state, just kind of that in between phase as you moved into it? What was that experience like for you? Yeah, for me, I think first, I think everybody has their um, reasons for becoming vegan. Like you said, some people are doing it for health, some people are doing it for environmental reasons, and also ethical reasons. For me, what the health watching that was really kind of the catalyst, I think that started my vegan journey, because as soon as I it's kind of like opening up Pandora's box, honestly, I, <laughs> I started that. And then I went down the rabbit hole of learning all of these different things about health and nutrition. And then when I started looking into more documentaries and articles, I really started to see, wow, these these are some really huge effects that animal agriculture has on our environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as I started going down the environmental rabbit hole, I stumbled across the ethical um, you know, reasons why people are vegan. And the reason why I say that is because when I first went vegan for health reasons, I was going vegan for myself. I wasn't going vegan for the planet. I wasn't going vegan for the animals. And 
that's why I think I failed on the first round personally for me, because I was doing it for myself. And I think that a lot of people who are, who are doing these kind of crash diets are doing it for themselves. And so they kind of actually fall off the bandwagon really fast. Um, Mm -hmm. but when you're thinking about putting others before yourself, you kind of have this selflessness in the act that you're doing. And so it becomes almost easier. So it really didn't actually it wasn't as easy as a transition until it was for environmental and ethical reasons for, you know, helping our planet and the, and the animals we share it with, because I realized what I was doing, every meal was bigger than myself. Um, and Mm -hmm. so it was a lot easier to stick to being vegan. Um, it, now it's not even a a thought (laughs) for me. Um, but that's really when it, it really clicked over was, okay, I'm doing this because I care about the planet. I'm doing this because, you know, I care about the animals, you know, we share this, this earth with. So that was really what helped me um, make the transition. But also before I went vegan completely, I was pescatarian, vegetarian for a bit. And what that helped me do was every time, you know, we would go out as friends, we Mm -hmm. would be able to go out. Um, You guys were always so accommodating, making sure that there was something vegetarian or vegan on the menu. And so that was really helpful. And I think that's one of the hardest things for people, honestly, is a lot of people think food is the hardest part of being vegan. And it's so it's absolutely not, especially now because there's so mm-hmm. many um, alternatives on the menus now and so many more restaurants, I think, is, is, especially with this plant-based um, trend happening right now, as people are starting to wake up to a lot of these, you know, um, uh, these really saturated and, and sugary foods that we've been feeding that are lowering our vibrations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of people mm-hmm. are waking up to, you know, really starting to get back into um, plant-based eating. But um, I think the hardest part is really being in a social aspect because it's still not, it, it's more uh, prevalent today um, than it was, you know, let's say even five or 10 years ago, but mm-hmm. there's still a lot of social impact aspects that impact people's, um, uh, I would say that would impact people from staying vegan. And that was honestly one of the hardest parts for me in transitioning even from vegetarian to vegan were, you know, when I go to the uh, restaurants, I could still order a grilled cheese sandwich or, (laughs) you know, I could still have, you know, a patty melt or whatever, you know, it's just a lot easier. Um, And then when I went vegan, those, those items even like got even more condensed as to what I could have. Um, But going vegetarian first really helped me kind of, you know, when we would go out, I would look at the menu before we got there. So I knew what I could have, you know. So I could engage in conversation and not be like sweating bullets over what I could eat on the menu. Um, So there's like these little things that that change. And then also too, because I went vegetarian first, I was also able to learn about um, what were some of the meat alternatives I could purchase at the store to supplement. I learned how to cook tofu, you know, so there's like little things that I changed before going vegan. It wasn't absolutely, it was not an overnight thing. Like I said, some people can do it and they're very successful at it. But I also think that there are ways that people can do it in a way that works best for them. Um, some people I know are, you know, maybe they're vegan all the way up until dinner time and that works well for them. So dinner time is the only time that they have any sort of animal product, you know? Um, and then even at that point, they're like, wow, this is so easy because I do it for breakfast, lunch, and you know, I, I'm not vegan for dinner, but this has been so easy that maybe I should just (laughs) go ahead and do it for dinner. Now. Um, I have a friend who did that. She went and did the, um, the Beyonce, I want to say it was the 20, 22 day challenge. Yeah. Yeah. 22 nutrition thing. I get the emails. (laughs) Uh, you know, I, I would like to look Beyonce fine. So I got to go vegan for a month. You know, I I think I can manage a month of that, you know? (laughs) Yeah. She ended up doing that. And it's so funny because, you know, she really, she's not an ethical vegan, but she does it for health. And she found that the program was so easy for her that, you know, maybe when she's on vacation or something, she'll have, you know, some shrimp tacos, but otherwise like she's pretty much plant-based and she's even on, she literally, she probably sends me a message every day about like some new product on the menu that's like out there, you know, for vegans. So, um, yeah, so I think it's really about just making sure that you're having an easy transition for you. Like, what does that look like for you? Because, mm-hmm at the end of the day, it's your journey and it's about what's going to work best for you. Yeah. And you, you kind of touch on something that, um, I know, especially even in the the diabetes community, that's really tough. And that is the social aspect of it. Mm. Um, because you know, I do the same thing. Anytime we go somewhere, uh, I'm looking at the menu. 
Um, because if I see nothing but sandwiches, I have to kind of get a little creative with what I'm doing. Um, you know, just because I have to keep the carb and sugary stuff to uh, a lower minimum to help with, you know, the medication that I'm taking and making sure my blood sugar levels are maintained, um, which is tough. You know, Mm -hmm. you want to go somewhere or like if someone invites you out somewhere and it doesn't really align with what you're able to do, um, you feel like you can't have a good time. Yeah. And, and it even shows you, uh, kind of how people are because there were even moments where I would just eat before I would go out and I would just like have a drink or something like that. And, you know, some friends would be like, why aren't you eating? I'm like, I already ate. Okay. But you know, eat this. And it's just like, I'm, I'm good. I already ate, (laughs) you know what I mean? So even when you're trying to, um, not put the, the responsibility on others of like keeping eyes out for this. Um, I don't know about you, but I've definitely experienced the, oh, well, don't give her that bowl of fruits, too much sugar. She don't need it, you know, and, and your family and friends mean well, but they don't realize how frustrating and kind of embarrassing that can be for you to like, just call someone out just because they're making an adjustment and how they want to fuel themselves. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. There's so there, when I first went vegan, I mean, luckily you guys have been, I mean, we have such a supportive friend group. I wish everybody had the type of friend group that we have because it's just <laughs> so supportive, but um, definitely, I mean, you know, with my family, it was, it was a little bit different, not my immediate family, but you know, a lot of my extended family, especially for holidays, you know, that's always so mm-hmm. hard. Um, I think for anybody who's changing their eating habits, holidays and family gatherings can be so difficult because there are all of these really, you know, heavy foods, you know, that contain animal products and just, you know, things that are not healthy for you. But of course it's a holiday. So you want to, you know, indulge, (laughs) but, um, you know, but it is, it's really difficult because, you know, your family might, you know, say some things that are really insensitive to you. And I think that's really the hardest part about changing your eating habits is I, I never thought people would care so much about what I put in my mouth or what I didn't put in my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's really, really interesting. Um, and, and you actually mentioned something that I'm curious about is like, what, what if, what was that first round of holidays like, yeah. you know, cause I, I know that it's always interesting whenever you're, you're telling somebody, Hey, I'm doing this. And even, you know, my mom, uh, when I've told her I'm adjusting things, um, she forgets and it, and it happens. And I try not to make it a big deal because you don't want to, you don't want people doing this big dramatic move your life around to accommodate me because suddenly I don't want to eat bread anymore, you know, or whatever. Um, but I'm curious as to what those first couple of holidays were like for you, um, with your family being fully vegan. Yeah. So that's actually a really good question because it was something that helped my mom and I's relationship. Um, because when I first went vegan, the very first holiday that we did was Thanksgiving all together as a family. So I actually decided to host the family for Thanksgiving up in Austin because I wanted to make all of the food um, so that it could be, I was vegetarian at the time. So I didn't want to have any meat um, at the meal. And my mom, of course, she didn't think it would be offensive, but she brought a turkey and she brought a ham. And Mm. the whole reason why I had spent all of this money and preparing the food and hosting everybody was so that we didn't have to have any sort of meat at the table. And Mm -hmm. so it wasn't until a few weeks later that I told her that it really bothered me that she took it upon herself to bring a turkey and a ham. And I really tried to tell her, you know, now that I am vegetarian at the time, um, I told her when I see these cuts of meat, I don't see them as food. I see, I see my dog on the table. That's how I, I look at it. And then not as much now, but then in my awakening, I was very emotional mm-hmm. um, because mm-hmm. I had watched so many videos of, you know, what happens in slaughterhouses and, and these things to animals. And so when I see, when I saw, you know, these um, cuts of meat, it really triggered me. And, you know, I told her that was the whole reason why I wanted to host them. And I had a very long three hour conversation about this going back and forth, um, mm-hmm. different ideologies. And, and, and another thing too, that's um, really important to note too, is that I think your parents and your family are typically more critical about, um, your eating habits. And that's because they almost see it as you, 
saying they didn't know better, but right. you do now. And that's really where I think a lot of the tension was coming from with my mom mm-hmm. because she was like, well, I brought you up on turkey and ham every holiday, you know? And so now you don't want to do it. I think you're just, this is just a trend for you. And right. um, obviously she feels a little bit different now that I have a <laughs> larger social media following. Right. So she's not like, a game, okay. mom. I'm making, okay. trying to make these coins too. Like, this is my life. My life. Love you, yeah. but... So now she's, but that, that conversation changed a lot and it really did come down to, um, you know, I told her, mom, I'm not changing my eating habits because I didn't think that what you were trying to teach me about eating was wrong. I'm changing my eating habits because you taught me to be a compassionate person. And when Mm -hmm. I saw the horrors of what was happening to animals and to our planet and to our own bodies, I wanted to be compassionate and I wanted to align my actions with my morals. And that's when my mom, it clicked for her and she said, ah, got it. I respect you. And I'm sorry that I did that. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that's the one thing, um, you know, even in uh, when I was talking to my dad about this is they didn't know, you know, that what they were feeding us um, could have any cause and effect. All they knew yes. was, was the, the food pyramid. And as long as I'm following that, you know, it's fine. Or even if it wasn't about, um, you know, the value, like I know for me and my family, we moved a lot for a little bit. And then we were very like, my mom was the coupon queen, um, because money was tight. So if, if you were getting food that was cheap, that was still better than not eating at all. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Because the access, um, which I can go on a whole tangent about access to (laughs) low income communities, but I'll save that. (laughs) Such a complex issue, man, man. Uh, I actually go into it when I did, um, uh, my guest appearance on the loving your own soul podcast. Um, like, yo, I don't understand. Like how y'all making all this money and it's uh, anyways. So, uh, but, but, you know, like I don't, I for sure don't blame my parents for, for my state. Now I, I more so blame myself because both of my parents are diabetics. Mm. Um, and my mom was first and then my dad second. So I had kind of a preview as to what that looked like. Um, and I even tried to the year before I was diagnosed, I was trying to do everything that I could to prevent the very thing that I ended up with. Um, But I I definitely hear you on like family feeling, feeling like the traditions and the values that they've instilled in you is suddenly being shunned. Yeah. Um, When that's not the case, it's we totally get you didn't know, but you also taught us to be independent thinkers and to carve our own paths as well. Yeah. And so in doing that, this is the path that I got to take in order to be successful in this. Um, There's there's absolutely no shade or no hate to you, you know, for for why I'm here. It's actually because of you, you know, that I'm here. So I think that's something that a lot of people have to learn how to have those hard conversations with um, when they're making huge, any honestly huge life decision, whether it's surrounding your food. Um, or something else. Um, yeah, I think it's that's kind also, of that. I think it's a good point that you brought up as well is that our parents didn't know any better. And I think that that's why we're seeing a lot of, um, a lot of this really happening between, uh, the millennial and Gen Z generation mm-hmm, <laughs> between our parents' mm-hmm. generation is because of the fact that we have really grown up in a, in a time where we had you know, access to so much knowledge. And so now, you know, people know better and it's not, it's definitely not our parents' fault for not knowing any better. It's because the information wasn't available to them. I thought um, something was actually really interesting about just kind of access to information is that a lot of people say that, you know, we're in that, in the same time as, you know, the, the civil rights era in the sixties. And that one thing that really makes what happened in the civil rights era based on what's happening today is the access to information and the, and the ability to mobilize. And so I definitely Mm -hmm. think that just the internet in general and just access to information at the tip of our fingers has made this, um, has made a lot of people wake up to, you know, what, what we eat. Yeah. I think it also plays into our generation specifically. Um, we're the middle, you know, like we, we grew up with the old school values totally. that our parents had a little bit heavier, but we also were growing up with all of the new technology and things that are available to us. Um, and I think our generation was, was the turning point of you have a choice, whereas our parents' generation and further, it wasn't really about, um, 
having a choice. It was kind of that selfless mentality of you need to eat, you need to be taken care of, yeah. you need to live, you need to work and you need to to get a house and you need to do the the married with kids things. And you just need to keep yourself um, grounded. You know, my mom said, always have a job and always have a car. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, just to make sure that you're, you're getting through things. But now we have kind of shaken that, that cage a little bit of um, we got, we got a little bit more choices than yeah. what you think. It's not that, that old way is not always going to work. There's some things in the old ways that I feel like need to stay like sustaining our own food. I, I do feel like, um, we took a huge loss by taking so much out of the land and not producing our own food. Like I'm trying to have a compound, like, <laughs> like oh, the whole garden setup is there. I don't need to, to go to HEB to get my tomatoes. They write out back. You know what I mean? I exactly. Feel like those are the pieces that we kind of missed out on. And only if you had families that were involved with that, like my dad's side, that's, I would go pick greens and green beans and all the things that I didn't want to do as a kid because I wanted to play, but now I miss that. And I appreciate that, you know, because it taught me, um, that I could still source my own stuff and not feel so tied to the bigger agendas that the corporate companies are having above our heads. You know what I mean? I think we're moving into a time of, you know, it's kind of survival versus thriving. I think that we're moving away from just, um, what do I need to survive? It's what do I need Mm -hmm. to thrive in so many areas, not just in food and, you know, people's career, (laughs) you know, I don't want to work the nine to five every day, 40 hours a week. You know, I want to be my own entrepreneur or, you know, I want to be a digital nomad, you know? So I think there's so many different ways in which people are waking up. I think that's a really good, um, a really good way to put it is that our generation is in the middle. We've seen the mm-hmm. survival. Um, most millennials are still in survival mode, <laughs> yep, but I think yep, we're yep, also yep. being inspired by this new generation, Gen Z of being like, yeah, no, I, I don't want to do that. And, you know, millennials are like, yeah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, right. There's a different way. There's a better way. <laughs> right. Right. And, and I think that's the, that's the thing that, um, I I always think about the first real fight that I had with my dad as an adult Mm -hmm. and remembering like how devastated I was that we were just, you know, yelling and screaming at each other (laughs) because it's never fun to fight with your parent. Right. No. Um, But, but at the same time, uh, the level of, I'm going to say confidence. It's not really the, the right term that I'm, I'm looking for, but that's, you know, just the ability to actually like stand up for myself and say, Hey, your way of thinking is not 100% God, right? right? And I think that's something that we as millennials struggle with is we don't want to disrespect. We've never been a disrespectful generation in a sense of like, I'm just going to fuck with you because I feel like it. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, there are tendencies, but not really. Like if we're talking back to to elders or whatever, it's because like, nah, you got me twisted on something. And I think we need to have a dialogue and it's not just a child needs to be in a child's place anymore. Like if, if you're acting like that towards me and I'm 30, we got, we got a problem. You know, I give you, I give you anything 25 under, I know shit 25 under. Okay. But 25 now, like I've been through my own version of stuff. And so you can't discredit me as an adult for that, just because you have this title. And so, um, that was something me and my dad had to kind of really come to terms with is once we dug past all of our hurt feelings, cause that's all that it was. Yeah. It was just an outburst of a bunch of hurt feelings. And it just boiled down to, we don't talk like we used to anymore. And that bugs me. And I recognize that the phone is a two-way street now. You know, I can't just be like, I'm mom, I'm dad. You need to pick up the phone and call me every day because I raised you and I put you back in the ground. You know, we don't have to go through that again. It's like, you can engage and be a part of this too. You know, there's a lot of mental stuff that has to be unraveled with that. And I think that translates very well into the changes that we make in our lives of, okay, if I'm going to go vegan, cool. I'm not asking you to do this with me. I mean, it'd be cool, right? But, you know, I'm saying, this is my journey. This is where I stand on this. You don't have to shift your entire life for that. I just want you to be aware, you know? Um, And I think uh, uh, you kind of mentioned earlier about like our support system. At the end of the day, if they were really just that bothered about what I'm eating or putting into my mouth, because it's just like, why are you so obsessed with that? Then they probably don't need to be in a, a, need to deny that application (laughs) to the friend group because um, you just have to be able to, to respect those boundaries. Um, so, so that leads me to my next question. Okay. Um, so now that we've, uh, we've talked about family and friends and that kind of transition space of like, 
recognizing it's not it's not being disrespectful to how you were raised. It is just because of how you raised me. These are the choices that I'm I'm making for myself that I think is going to to better me. Yeah. Um. I'm I'm curious as to what has been the driving force now behind Grateful Girl, and how your your kind of blog and things shifted. Because I know you said that you started out um, as a as a duo uh, uh, kind of food blogger thing, um, and then you went the pescatarian vegetarian route, and then you went full vegan. But I'm curious as to how that impacted growing uh, your Grateful Girl platform. Oh my gosh! Literally, it felt like overnight once I decided. Okay, and I think that was also one of the things that deci- that I really struggled with in becoming vegan was that okay, well, I'm I've already you know put my blog out there of, you know, this is what I'm about. And now I'm going to turn it into being vegan. And I thought that that was honestly going to hurt me in the long Mm -hmm. run. Um, because you know, they always say to pick a niche, you know, but I really thought like, uh, I don't know if this niche is really going to help because at the time, especially (laughs) being here in Austin, it was like, I I didn't know that there were so many vegan places, which there are a ton of vegan Mm -hmm. places in Austin. And it's literally the Mecca for vegans (laughs) for food. Um, But I was really worried, like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to go vegan. And like my page is going to just turn into a disaster because nobody's going to want to follow me. And it was the exact Mm -hmm. opposite because I had told myself that I could not continue to post about things that weren't vegan because my mindset was already changed. My heart had already been changed. I really wanted to advocate for, you know, the health of, of people, the health of our planet and to, and to be able to respect the sentient beings that we, we walk this earth with. So Mm -hmm. when I did actually start putting vegan content out there, it was like overnight, I started to gain this really amazing supportive community. And just that first year alone, I met, you know, so many vegans in the Austin community, and was able to meet some really, really huge, impactful um, animal rights activists my first year. Mm -hmm. Um, I went to a vegan conference and met uh, Colleen Patrick Goudreau, who is um, really big in the podcast world as well as far as veganism goes. Um, So it was really, it opened opportunities for me that I never thought I could do on my own. Um, And on top of that, it really brought me into a really great community. And I think that that's another thing that's really important for people who are going vegan or vegetarian is that having a community of a support system is really important because you really do need to be able to connect with people in order to keep, you know, your momentum going. Um, because especially one of the things that I hear a lot from, from vegans who maybe live in, you know, rural cities and towns is that, you know, they're the only vegan that they know. And so I think that's, what's really powerful with the internet is that they can join a Facebook group full of vegan people and get that support that they need. And that's really what social media has been for me and, you know, why I continue to keep doing what I'm doing behind Grateful Girl is that I've had people who have reached out to me from, you know, I haven't talked to years and years from high school that have reached out and said, Hey, I, I know I haven't messaged you before, but I wanted to let you know that I don't have dairy anymore, you know, or I had yeah. one, I had one of my classmates tell me, you know, um, she, she herself stopped having dairy products and she also doesn't have her kids have dairy anymore. So, but it was because of what I was putting out there and it just kind of still, it fuels my fire still to this day, obviously, yeah. um, is, you know, not to, not to stop because it's something that I believe in. And I, I do believe that there's another, there's another way to live a more compassionate way to live. And I just, one of the things that's really important to me behind what I do as grateful girls, I never tell anybody to go vegan because I don't think that it's, it's my right to say it. Um, and I don't think that it helps anybody make the choice for themselves to go vegan. And I think that's, Mm -hmm. what's a little bit different and why I wanted to do something different on social media when it comes to veganism is because there are so many people who, uh, who kind of look to 
being vegan is like this very militant thing. Um, yeah. The vegan police, you know, and yeah, I, did not, yeah. I did not want to be that vegan. I think I was a little bit in the beginning, but I think it was just because I was so emotional. It is traumatic. The things that you see in slaughterhouse, you know, videos that come out and yeah. And I think I was a little bit on that, uh, on that, um, that wavelength at first, but you know, once I really started getting my, um, getting my feet wet in veganism and in the vegan community, I really decided, okay, what type of vegan do I want to be? And mm-hmm. I decided I wanted to be compassionate and it, it's because that's what brought me to being vegan was in recognizing my own compassion and my love yeah. for others. And so I never want to tell anybody to go vegan, um, it's really all about just unlocking your own compassion that you've had. Um, and that's one of the things I've learned from, uh, from my vegan, uh, godmother, I call her Colleen Patrick Goudreau, um, mm-hmm. is I told her when I, when I met her at a conference, I said, you are my Glenda, the good witch. And she said, what do you mean? I said, well, in, in the wizard of Oz, she tells Dorothy, you've had the power to go home the whole time. It's your shoes. You've had the power to do it your whole time, this whole time. And that's really what I learned from her style of, of veganism was that, oh, wow, I just, I had the compassion within my heart this entire time. I just Mm -hmm. had to find it for myself. And so I just want to put the information out there for people and something it's going to resonate with them. And I do believe that everybody is, is truly inherently good. Um, but you know, we're, we're given so much subliminal messaging and propaganda of what to eat and how to live. And, you know, over time, you know, you kind of lose that compassion, not because you wanted to, but because, you know, you saw messages that said otherwise. And I think that's what, what's really interesting is every protest and every demonstration that I have gone to, it's the kids that are always so interested in what we're saying, because Mm -hmm. as a kid, you just inherently know, I don't want to hurt animals. And that's really what kind of comes back up when you kind of make that connection to animals and your food is, it, I always have thought this way, <laughs> but you know, there's other messages out there that told me differently. Um, so I, I do believe it's really just in about, you know, everybody getting that information for yourself and, and doing what, what works for you and what is in alignment with your values, not mine. Right. And I think that's, that's, um, if, if I'm just being transparent, that's why I could be friends with you as a vegan because, um, all of my experiences, or at least the ones that you're shown, right. Totally. I think everybody gets a, a variation of the pita. Uh, the type blood. Of, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, yes. it, and you can apply it to anywhere. I mean, I think about it from, you know, a, a lot of the racial tension that's happening. Like we would be viewed as just strippers cause we're black. Yes. Like that, that clearly has to be the only thing that we can be about. Right. Um, and that's, you know, I, I, I can admit that I've, I've fallen to that trap with veganism mm-hmm. because everything that I've seen, not even the extreme stuff of like throwing blood on people, like that's definitely like, <laughs> y'all got me. I wish you would. Your blood is going to be the one. Anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, I think this is the, um, you're absolutely right. And when you say, Here's the information. This is just what I'm about. I'm not saying you have to do anything. Mm -hmm. This is just what I'm about and why. It creates a whole different conversation because now your character and your being is not being judged, essentially. And what I've come across with other, you know, I'll I'll say more metal, hardcore vegans (laughs) is there is no choice. You need to do this. You need to do that. You need to do this. You need to do that. And that triggers me back to, well, I already have to do that as a woman and as a black woman. So I'm not really down with going with that, with my eating style. You can go fuck yourself. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so I think that's some of the the stigma that a lot of vegans have. And I've found um, not only through you, because I also want to be a supportive friend, right? I'm, I'm not vegan myself. However, I am not one to tell anyone else how they want to live. Mm -hmm. And if doing something helps your lifestyle, I'm absolutely going to make sure I check the menu for you and things like that because I I get what that's like. But I didn't realize that there were more compassionate vegans than there were militant ones. Yeah. Because the militant ones are the ones that you see making all the noise. (laughs) Yeah, they're making all the noise. Whereas the ones who are like, I'm just here and, you know, I just prefer to go this way. This makes this alliance with where I want to be in my heart and how I want to do things. I actually followed um, 
uh, Rawfully Christina out oh, uh, of Houston. Love her. Yeah, yes. I've been following her for years, and I'm nowhere near. I, I'm so sad when they stopped doing the uh, like the co-op boxes because mm-hmm. I was this close to driving to Houston just to get one because she just eats all raw foods, and it's like it's not to say I'm not eating animal products or anything like that, but the access to whole foods, yeah spoke to me more than anything else Mm -hmm. and she wasn't pushy about it she wasn't like oh my god you're a terrible human being if you've ever had bacon a day in your life you know what I mean and that's the part that I think people um dismiss is they they just hear or know of this one view versus digging and understanding um but it's made me be a lot more patient as I've met others in whatever way that they choose to uh to fuel themselves to have that compassion because when you say vegan I was like oh man here we go (laughs) she about to go crazy and I'm gonna have to we gonna fight or something and I don't want to lose it but please don't please don't yell at me for having a sandwich with some bacon on it all right like can I just have a burger every now and then you know so I think by you demonstrating that it has made me view things way differently and I I think the world needs that and so that's what I've uh personally appreciate it and watching you go through this journey. Um, (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm I'm dead serious. You know, like I'm not, I'm more of a, like, I'm just kind of, kind of eat with what works. So there are some times where I'm, I'm completely vegan. I didn't even notice it for the day. I'm like, Oh, that's cool. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And, and I did paleo for a minute um, just because it really processed stuff is really where my body um, acts up a lot. Um, and so dairy was one of the first things, you know, in, in the paleo space that comes out. Now cheese is hard. Cheese is so oh, hard. It's so hard. It's so Man, hard. That's the, that's the one thing which I actually need to pick up some of that cashew queso that you kept oh. talking about. Because I had some and I was like. It's incredible. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm all down for it. But um, but even those small things, you know, I feel like um, something is better than than nothing and and i'm definitely you know i'm definitely all for tearing down um our agricultural system because it all sucks um and you know even if i am eating meat i'd rather go for the place where i can visually see that all of your animals have free reign like before like i feel like i'm kind of a an indirect indigenous person mindset where they were always thankful you know they only took what they needed to right I'm sorry, Buffalo. I need that fur because it's cold and we run out here naked. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. but I'm going to honor you in the fact that you, you and I have had a, a trade of of necessity, you know, if you will. Um, so I'm not gonna like take everything from you because it's a luxury for me, you yeah. know. And I think that's that's a type of eating or at least living when it comes to our food system that we should get back to. Yes, enjoy food. I'm not saying don't have a, a luxurious time with it, but there are a lot of cultural things that we can take from of even in Asian cultures, meat wasn't a regular thing. It was a luxury if you were able to get a hold of some. And oh, I think yeah. we've seen that across all spaces, you know, Don't so I'm get like, me into the, like the decolonization of our food. But I think you make a really good point as well, too. And I think it's something that we'll, we'll start to see more of, um, especially because of what is happening currently right now with COVID. Um, there's been some stories that have come out about this, but not as many, but um, you know, one of the things that's been really disheartening to me as a vegan is not only are these animals being killed for food, but they're also being killed because with so many of these restaurants closed or at 50% capacity, as far as the dining rooms are concerned, there's a lot of food waste and not just food mm-hmm. waste in our crops, but food waste as far as these animals who have, who are, who are bred and born into a world to do nothing but to become a commodity. Um, and right. so there's all of these farmers who are having to euthanize their animals and euthanize is a, a nice word for basically saying they're, they're going to gas them alive right. in, in gas right. chambers. And, um, and so it's even more of a, God, how gluttonous have we been that we have right. had to breed all of these animals into the world. And the other thing that's really interesting as well is that so many people are seeing these farmers who also farm crops who are, who are throwing them out and saying, mm-hmm. well, there's hungry people in the world. But a lot of people don't realize that so much of our agriculture crops are given to animals that we then eat. So couldn't we mm-hmm. then cut the animal out and allow p- 
everybody to have ample supply of food, good, nutritious food, if we cut out <laughs> the middleman and which is the animal and actually got back to eating plant-based. And so that's another thing as well, too, that I think is really important to note is, you know, wh- what are we even putting our energy and our resources to? Because there's mm-hmm. so much, um, and, and it's done on purpose of that, you know, there's, um, a lot of people have this idea of there's, there's not enough, there's not enough of this, there's not enough of that. When in reality, right. there is enough for everyone. And we have a world of abundance. This earth is full of abundance. And mm-hmm. that's been another thing that's been really important to me. Um, as I have, uh, you know, as this, as the Black Lives Matter movement has begun and as well as just a lot of other human rights movement um, that we've seen in 2020 is about, you know, we all actually have access to an abundance of things. Um, but mm-hmm. we, we grow up with this idea of there is not enough for everybody to go around. And so that's been something that's been really um interesting to me and important to me to start talking about is, um, access to food and how do we get more of that and making sure that people, um, have access and affordability to plant-based foods. Because I think, um, that's another thing that comes back to, um, angry vegans is that, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, sometimes, uh, people are looking at the symptom of the problem and not the, the root cause of the problem. And there's so many people, especially minority and low income communities who don't have access or can afford plant-based foods. And I think that's, that's one of the big reasons why I advocate for, um, it's, everyone is on their own journey and you have to be able to figure out what works best for you and your situation. And we have to, if people really want people to go vegan, well, then you need to address the root cause of why people cannot go vegan. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, um, I, I'll kind of do a short version of this, but you know, when I was on the loving your own soul podcast, like that's what we talked about is like, okay. Um, you want to see change in a lot of areas, but you ignore the areas that make you the most uncomfortable, which is minorities. Because, well, I'm not I'm not black, so I don't know how I could speak to that person. I'm not Asian, I'm not Mexican or whatever. And it's like, you don't need to be the sole person to have to go, just give them the access, right? Mm-hmm. Like, hey, I got this bomb sweet potato pie smoothie that I can throw your greens powder in and disperse amongst the community. I just need the ingredients to do that Mm -hmm. because otherwise it's not going to spread. There's no way for anybody to be able to access anything if we don't even give them opportunity. And you're you're meaning to tell me we have all of these large companies looking at you, Amazon with Whole Foods, I'm just saying. (laughs) You have all of these companies with all this money and you're telling me you are that hurting that you couldn't lose half a mil to just put back into the community and give them access to the same whole foods that will take your whole check. (laughs) If you're not careful, you know what I mean? Like you're telling me that there aren't options to have the same level of quality, but offer it at an affordable rate. If afterpay exists, because I couldn't afford drunken elephant uh, up until now, now it's on afterpay. And I'm like, cool, I can break it up into four or five. Something. I'm just saying we have it all around us where we have the ability to make things affordable. That seems out of reach. We have the technology, we have the resources, we have the funding. Mm-hmm. We just don't put it in the right areas. And so that's, that's really where, you know, you know, I go on this all day, but oh, yes. that's where my passion has been with this is like, okay, I'm going to build my wealth and then I'm going to put it back in the places where I know needs it the most, because it's not fair that, East Austin can sit there and be gentrified and have all of this surrounding city that's really great about food and access. And yet I could still go over off Cameron and ain't nobody got access to nothing good. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? And so that's the part that gets frustrating is like, there's no excuse at this point. Otherwise you're going to be doing a Mark Zuckerberg where you backtracking on everything that you're saying because you didn't prepare. You know what I mean? We, we, we're putting the information out there. This is how you can make this work. So make it work. Like that's the kind of person I am at this point. There's no excuse that you can say it just won't work. You didn't even try. Yeah. I think that's that's also too, what's another really driving force behind what I'm doing now is, um, you know, once a lot of things started happening this year of 2020, um, as far as, you know, the black lives matter movement and a lot of human rights issues that we're seeing right now, um, one of my biggest, uh, motivating factors is not just about, you know, promoting veganism, but also in educating people about, um, other 
world issues that are happening as, as well mm-hmm. as human rights issues, because I do believe that all oppression is interconnected and it's really important to me that I get information out. And so, um, w- one of my next YouTube videos will be about talking about food deserts and food insecurity and, and how mm-hmm. do we help, um, what's within our grasp right now for people who have the means to do so to help make sure that we get better foods into, you know, low income and minority communities, um, you know, to, to allow them to have access to these healthy and nutritious foods, because I do believe that it's, um, it's by design to keep people hungry, to keep, um, kids going to school and, and not being able to focus on what they can learn and and dream and innovate and imagine, (laughs) you know? Right. Um, Right. It's, it's, I got to get this peanut butter sandwich. (laughs) It's totally (laughs) by design. So I definitely want to continue to, to do more research and speak out about these certain things because, uh, one of the things as well too, I think that a lot of people, uh, you know, fail to realize, and I think it kind of gets stuck in a box when it comes to veganism is that, oh, I can only be, um, I can only use my voice to talk about animal rights, um, issues, right. but it's all connected. <laughs> and so that's yeah. really been my, my, my biggest push and kind of innovating my brand and, and what I, and what I'm about is, about talking about so many different issues that we need to be aware of and how can we create change. And and that's really important to me is not just about having compassion for um, animals, but also having compassion for all, all beings that we, we walk this earth with and having compassion for the earth that allows us to keep <laughs> yeah, yeah. her. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, you, you absolutely nailed it on the head. And that's, that's really why I also um, wanted to ensure that you were on the show because at the end of the day, diabetic or not, we're all connected. And if you're having the same issues with food sources as a vegan, I'm having the same issues as a food source as a diabetic. Um, And so we have to kind of one, um, be okay with the transition that some people in our lives, whether that's family or friends, um, aren't going to get it Mm -hmm. um, and maybe turned off by it. You know, kind of like we talked about earlier, Um, but also like it's your own journey. It's your own path. Like don't allow other people to try to tell you what your lane is, you know, you need to have that, that strength and confidence within yourself to be able to carve that out. Um, and then just educating yourself and being compassionate in the things that you are learning and the resources that you need. Um, cause I think, I think I can agree, you know, for both of us, it took some time to like really understand, um, how things were going to work for us. Yeah. You know, I'm still trying to, to get it on, on a good balance. Um, especially when I have the medication factor included into it of, okay, well, how do I be social, but I don't throw everything off, you know, just because, you know, she makes these amazing chocolate chip vegan cookies and I just can't, um, and donuts and I just want to eat them all. And I, I won't say no, I'm not, I'm not saying no when she offers them to me because I'm going to eat them and I don't care if my, I know that's terrible. I should not say, I don't care that my blood sugar is going to be crazy, but it's not because it's vegan. And I feel like, okay. (laughs) Um, but even so, like it's just understanding you just have to own that and and be able to know within yourself. Um, so with that, I'm curious to know, uh, uh, second to last question of the day, if you will, <laughs> um, what are your, you, you mentioned some YouTube stuff coming up, but like, what are your immediate plans for Grateful Girl? And then what do you want to see for Grateful Girl long-term? Yeah. So um, one of my immediate plans is I want to um, actually start an ebook for people that can easily download it, which will be a beginner's guide and a really modern beginner's guide, because I think that a lot of um, vegan beginner guides out there, are a lot of whole food plant-based, which is totally totally fine. I think that there's definitely people who are looking for that. Um, but I also think that there are a lot of people who, um, in a transitional phase are still looking for the same textures and tastes that they're, they're already used to, um, but just Mm -hmm. in a more compassionate, cruelty-free version. So I really want to make a really modern, um, you know, vegan beginner's guide that people can easily switch out, you know, um, different cheeses, different ice creams, meat, alternative options. Um, and, you know, and also a store locator so people can know where they can find these um, options. So that is in mm. the pipeline right now. I'm hopefully going to be able to release that um, within at least by the fall of 2020. 
Um, and then I uh, really just getting more YouTube content out there. I think with, um, so much that's happened in 2020, I've really been able to look at what is important to me. Um, and so really kind of, uh, opening up my range to talk about a lot of different, um, issues that we're seeing today. Um, so mm-hmm. that's also something that's really exciting. And then also, um, you know, starting my own podcast as well. Um, talking about a lot of the same issues that I'll talk about on my YouTube, but be easier since I don't have to get ready for those as far as <laughs> and listen, it's it's nice to to roll out of bed and just turn the microphone on and be like, I got something to say. <laughs> Call it a day, you know? Uh, yeah. so uh, I, I think we went the, the opposite. I went the podcast route where I'm like, you'll kind of see me, but not really, you know, and, and now I'm working up towards um, video podcasting so you can see me as I'm talking and recording because you know, I'm very animated um, but uh, but working on that but yeah I feel you yeah. it's, it's nice it's so nice yeah I think it's to... important too I think just as an influencer I think um, as as we've heard uh, today was supposed to be the day that uh, Trump was supposed to ban TikTok which uh, he can't um, <laughs> but um, I think it's, as an influencer it's, it's important it's no different than as a business you want to maximize your revenue streams and it's important to me to be on it, on multiple different um, social media platforms. Um, so, yeah. you know, podcasts, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, because I think that um, it's important to reach every type of audience and every social media platform is going to be different. You know, you're going to have a different listener or an audience there. So I think it's really important for me to kind of cast a wide <laughs> net um, to reach yeah. different to reach different people and to create, you know, communities of people. So it's really important that, um, yeah, I continue to keep branching out and spread, spreading the message. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. So last question before we can find out how all of the folks listening can keep up with you. Um, I wanted to know uh, for those who are considering veganism or um, even just like trying it out, um, what was the biggest challenge in like changing your mindset with it? And what would you suggest to others to kind of help them get through that? Because we know if if your mind gets jacked up with all this stuff, it'll shut down everything else. (laughs) So I'm just curious as to what your advice would be to those folks. Yeah, absolutely. I think if you are thinking about transitioning to a vegan diet or lifestyle, the most important thing is to first educate yourself, slow down. It's okay. You don't have to do it overnight. Make sure you take the time to educate yourself and to find ways that are going to work for you and your lifestyle. Um, the second thing I would say is to find a supportive community that can be supportive to you in your transition because maybe you're friends and your family will not. And the other thing as well, too, is that you're you're going to have to be okay knowing that some of your friends and family will not support you in this journey, Um, but staying compassionate nonetheless. And that really brings me into my next (laughs) thing of advice as well would be to just stay compassionate, to stay compassionate no matter what, compassionate to yourself. Because as a vegan, I cannot tell you how many times I have eaten into something and someone's like, oh, there's cheese in that. I'm like, oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> and, you know, you feel so bad. And you feel so, like, just so guilty. And, and you know, but it's like, you know, you're vegan in a non-vegan world. These things are going to happen. So have compassion right. to, towards yourself. Have compassion towards others. I think a lot of people see, you know, they, they make this transition to going vegan, especially those who are ethical vegans. They see other people who aren't eating vegan and they think that these are bad people and they are not bad people. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. not even the people who work at the slaughterhouses are bad people. <laughs> I mean, there are some right. people who are bad people in those, but not everybody. A lot of people are just there because it's, um, it's, they have to, they have to be able to feed their families. You know, they don't want right. to be there. Nobody really wants to do that to animals. So I think it's about also having compassion for other people and having compassion for other people's journey. And the only thing you can really control is what you do (laughs) as a person. Um, And yeah, so I think, yeah, at the end of the day, it's compassion is a really big, um, is really big to me. Um, And I think it's really important for so many of the things that we see going on right now, having compassion for so many, so so many people right now during this time, because um, Mars is in Aries and things are going to get heated for the rest of the year. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, it's about to get nuts. So, um, but like in a, it's like it's strange. Like it's in a good way, but then at the same time, like, oof, 
Ooh, it's, man, it's do I really want to? It's going to be rocky. Can we sit? Can we sit <laughs> just just in the calmness for a little bit longer? Like y'all ain't got to jack it all up just yet, but. Yeah. yeah, I think it's just, well, I think it's really important that, you know, you as, as a vegan, that's one of the things that has helped me in becoming vegan is that it's really allowed me to not just be compassionate to animals, but just be to compassion for all beings. And I think that that's yeah. honestly one of the most important things is have compassion for yourself and have compassion for others, especially during 2020. <laughs> Listen, especially <laughs> And if, if you can't take a shot, it might help. <laughs> well, I really am glad that you were able to take the time and, and hang out and chat about yes. all of this. Um, I really do appreciate it. Um, I would love if you could share how people can connect with you further so they can learn more about Grateful Girl and all the different ways that they can um, keep up with what you're doing, uh, resources, and all that. Yes, absolutely. So on Instagram, you can find me at Grateful Girl. It's like I am great and I'm full girl. <laughs> so you can find me on instagram at grateful girl it's also the same uh, handle on tiktok and then on youtube you can find me there just under the grateful girl and i do have my blog as well which is www.thegratefulgirl.com Awesome. Awesome. Well, be sure to check out my friend, not just because she's my friend, because I said so, and you should just do it. (laughs) Uh, I will be sure to make sure that all of the things are linked in the show notes so you guys can check her out. Um, Did I mention how photographic this girl is? Like, I I need to step my picture game up because I've never met a more photogenic person than you. And I was there for one of those shoots, and I'm like, mine didn't come on like that. Well, thank you so much, friend. I love you dearly. And uh, I'm looking forward to all of the things that you are coming out with. Thank you, my love. Thank you again, Kara. It is always a pleasure um, just chatting with you, literally working with you, all of the things. And again, um, she is out there doing the damn thing. And I'm, I'm so proud to be able to call her friend. Um, she actually recently just crossed the 100K threshold on TikTok. So, um, you know, head over to Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, all the things. Check her out. Um, she really does have great uh, resources for you if you are curious about veganism or if you're already a vegan um she is a recipe queen like she takes recipes of things that you may already like and love and uh veganizes it so that way you can still enjoy it um but cruelty free so thank you again to care over at the grateful girl um and of course if you really like this episode you know maybe i might have her back so you gotta go to apple Podcasts, spotify google Podcasts, amazon what else is on there i'm on youtube too like subscribe leave a rating because that's how people find us and if people find us here at healing in hindsight they find these great guests too so do your thing leave some feedback let me know who else you want to have on uh, i'm definitely working on season two already so i'd love to have have a great guest lineup, but uh, you got to make sure people know that I'm here, right? All right, guys. Well, thank you again for tuning in and listening to this conversation. I hope you're having a great day, week, weekend, wherever you are when you listen to this. Catch y'all next time.